Well, here we are, another preview and review edition, or review and preview edition, of the soon-to-be award-winning Minnesota Sports Chat. Award-winning, if only in my own mind. Preview and review of Gophers football action with my guy from gophersguru.com at Daniel House NFL on the Twitter machine. This 133rd edition of Minnesota Sports Chat. Daniel, you look awfully smiley on this video connection. How you doing? It's it's the bye week. I've been digging into the Gophers-Purdue game, started looking at the Saturday college football slate for my favorite games. I'm fired up to just sit around and watch college football and kind of get a barometer where teams are at. Is bye week a good week for you in the sense that, for the most part, not that you would want to do this, but you can put the Gophers on the back burner and just do what Ross does most Saturdays when he's not at Huntington Bank Stadium and just watch 13 hours of college football in nothing but, um, let's call it clothes you probably wouldn't run errands in. Yeah, I, I'm excited to watch college football this weekend. I This is the bye week where I get a chance to get caught up on some things and figure out what we learned from the first five games and where the Gophers can get better coming out of the bye and starting to advance scout a little bit. So, yeah, this is this is a week that is a recharge week, but also some ways to figure out some things that the Gophers can do better. Admit it, I just gave you quite the visual. You're picturing me in ratty sweatpants, probably a ratty T-shirt. Uh, that's exactly what it looks like on Saturdays where I know I don't have a lot going on. That was not the case this past Saturday at Huntington Bank Stadium. Daniel, rewind just a week. We were asked, what is the Gophers' weakness? And we jokingly said, yeah, they have some. But I did say jokingly, well, is it a team without a weakness? House, I think we learned last Saturday at Huntington Bank Stadium, there are some weaknesses on this team. I'm over it. The West can still be won, and I agree with that when people keep saying that. However, you made it a bit more difficult on yourself by not getting that victory this past Saturday against Purdue. Daniel, what the bleep went wrong? Besides, the easy answer is everything, but what led to everything going wrong? I thought one of the biggest variables was execution, Ross. You go back and... You look at this game and say, like I always do, three or four plays seem to always define the outcome, where if you maybe did something a bit different, executed, you could have possibly won the game. I look at the Mike Brown-Stevens drop touchdown in the in the end zone that led to an interception, the missed hole, uh, zone hole shot on third and nine at about the midway point of the second quarter to uh, Brevin span forward. It just wasn't placed well. And there was pressure coming from the right, so Tanner couldn't step into the throw completely. And then you got that sequence right before the missed field goal. Like, everybody's talking about the 28-yard missed field goal, of course. But the sequence leading into that, you had an indecisive inside run. You had an outside zone play that lost some yardage. And then the tight coverage on a pass intended for Jackson in the end zone. So those three sequences felt very important. And Minnesota just couldn't take advantage of the opportunities inside Purdue's 40-yard line. Purdue was very good at limiting those type of possessions throughout uh, 
throughout the previous games and the Gophers are the third best team in college football getting inside the opponent's 40 and they just weren't able to capitalize with points when they got in there and the defense created three takeaways Ross like the defense settled in after the first drive gave them an opportunity uh, to get back in the game but I also thought Mo being absent also hurt them because they were unable they did not break a single tackle the whole game and you can go to the website and read about the impact that has on Gophers success and the Big Ten West, uh, it's kind of interesting. I don't think the running backs had a great game, but I think a lot of that house goes back to, I just don't think the offensive line had a great no. game. There, it, it there were, hand hand. Yeah, it does. It goes mm-hmm. hand in hand. There just wasn't much room for them to go anywhere. And I know you can't dramatically change a game plan throughout a game, but teams do make adjustments. House, anytime they ran any sort of stretch play, I'm I'm kind of saying this facetiously, but I'm asking you, did they yeah. even gain a yard? They were strung out of those plays. <laughs> every, I mean, every time. There was one that I highlighted in the piece today that I posted. is an outside zone run where linebacker just, you know, breaks downhill and just a slight bit of indecisiveness. And it seemed like it was blocked up pretty well. It just wasn't red completely correct so that could have been a touchdown it was in the red zone ended up being a negative play so there were moments where it just wasn't blocked up right uh Purdue made a good play set the edge well I thought Purdue had a very good defensive scheme the whole idea was to take away the RPO game they had Chris Jefferson Roman into the RPO window and then you know the safety match and anything that goes vertical so Minnesota was trying to clear that out they ran a dagger concept with a, a vertical route from, the, from Mike Brown-Stevens and then a dig with Daniel Jackson that led to a 66-yard play. I felt like they started to find some answers, but when they did, the execution wasn't great. And so, you know, not being able to run the ball hurt them, but also being able to pass to open up the run, get get a defender out of the box to take some pressure off. Uh, it was clear Purdue wanted Minnesota to have longer developing uh, plays, you know, route concepts so they they could get some pressure on the quarterback with their front four. And that was the weakness that I talked about that I wanted to see when they played a very good front Purdue, how did the offensive line hold up? And it was definitely inconsistent in that area. This loss, in my opinion, not nearly as bad as Bowling Green oh, last year. Close. Although losing to Bowling Green didn't really cost you anything when it comes to conference play. It's just it's a it's a bad black eye to lose to a team like that at home. Even though what we're seeing out of Illinois this year is very good and encouraging for them, it's still not as bad as losing to Illinois last year when you factor in when Illinois got up last year, they they had no intention of even trying to move the ball anymore. That's how comfortable they were. So those those losses were worse in that prism, but people I w- were discounting. People were discounting Purdue. Ross. Yeah, and like, per, and Purdue's fine. Purdue Purdue has a chance to win the West, just like everybody else in the West. Literally, mm-hmm. Wisconsin. Even though they just fired their coach, which I'm sure we'll get to, Wisconsin can still win the West. They won't, but in theory, they could. Yeah. But I, I would say this, House. It a loss like that doesn't do any good for the gopher psyche or the gopher fans because i'll be honest i love pj fleck i've had a couple people go back and forth in my dms they say i'm way too negative about the gophers funny we should talk about that and i would tell these people look i still have illinois and bowling green fresh in my mind and then literally that week 
It happens again, and I replied to one of them, not trying to stomp on a grave, but basically just said, this is why I need to see it week by week. That's a brutal loss. And their reply was literally, yep. Like, okay, so I think hopefully people understand a bit more where I'm coming from. But where this loss to me is catastrophic, maybe not the right word. You Gophers can go beat Illinois. They can beat Penn State. They can win both those games. I guarantee you there'll be empty seats for Rutgers. There just will be. That's that's where you've hurt yourself. I mean, you you lose games like that at home, and in my opinion, did they outright no-show the game? No, they didn't, but they they couldn't have played much worse. I mean, they honestly really could not have played much worse. To me, House, it kind of looked like a team that was listening to a podcast of two guys hearing that they might be a team without a weakness. I mean, yeah. that's honestly what it looked like. I looked at a couple people that I sit near in my section and said, Looks like the boys might have been out partying a bit too late last night. It just did not look like anybody was in that game. Defense showed up. I mean, they made the adjustment after the first drive. I mean, the offense just couldn't sustain anything, and that was the big factor. Like that last touchdown run, I'm like, well, defense had been on the field. Like, obviously, you don't want to give up that play, but they did enough to win the game. I thought the safeties played extremely well. Howden and Newbin are a luxury back there because you can do so much coverage wise disguise things mix mix things up so the defense uh did some cool things and so that's something that minnesota can definitely build off of but i look at purdue i felt like if they cleaned up the penalties they would be in that ball game because the two losses they had penalties were a problem especially in the syracuse one they're one first down away from being beaten penn state so my question is, how different is the perception of this game if Purdue wins those first those two games that they lost earlier in the season? Here's uh, something for you, and I don't typically do this much, but if you're going to call the Gophers for pass interference in the first quarter like they were called for, well, then there was a blatant pass interference Ooh. missed on a corner route yeah. on Purdue, And that stuff I have no time for. If you're going to be ticky-tacky and throw the flag for one, you have to do it for the other. You can't can't tell me Purdue's very physical with their DBs. Like, the fact that they didn't have those type of penalties uh, throughout in a couple of those spots, yeah, that, that that was interesting as well. I'm going to try something out on you, and I texted you and told you I was going to do this. And I'm fairly positive no matter what your answer is, it's not going to change my opinion, but I would like to hear your answer. Okay. What did we know about Mo leading up to the game that would have given people concern that he wasn't going to play? Because I have a theory here, but I want your answer. Well, it sounds like he was close ready possibly playing but just he didn't practiced feel like he was 100 yeah i mean he pj said he practiced during the week uh, on his radio show so he warmed up as well um but was in uniform go. was yeah, in, in uniform. uniform warmed up went through that process but you know it's one of those things too where i don't think they want to rush it with the idea that here's the bye week who made the call time off did mo say i can't go today did the coaching staff say you're not going today combo platter i don't know i can't i can't guess on that i mean they're always gonna look out for the player so i mean that's if if he wasn't quite ready to play they they definitely weren't gonna put him in a in jeopardy so that's 
I, I believe coming out of the bye week, he'll be ready to go. And that will be a huge thing because you should go read my piece on the website about Mo and, and broken tackles and how different that is when he's in the game versus when he's not. It changes a lot of things for the Gophers rushing scheme, even if things maybe aren't blocked up as well. The difference between maybe four or five runs where he breaks a couple of tackles and gets you ahead of the sticks and maybe pops off an explosive one or scores a touchdown that the 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 margin in that game where there were a few plays that could have swayed the outcome uh most presence is definitely not just felt from a from a you know playing style perspective but leadership wise too so that was definitely a factor that website is gophersguru.com here here is my take daniel house and and i do yeah. believe this and i know i'm going to get um vilified for it but i don't care I think there were probably some within the program that thought they could get by without playing Mo. Give him an extra week to have three weeks before they play again. And I would say if you can finish the game at Michigan State and you can practice, which he did, even in a limited role, he should have been out there. If I can watch you from my seat in your uniform walk up and down the sidelines with your helmet on at times. I really feel like you probably should have been playing in that game. Would that have been the difference? I don't know. Like I said, I thought the offensive line was really porous, so it may not have made a difference. We we have seen this kind of thing before with the Gophers, especially when you go back, not this year, but years prior, non-conference schedules where they go out there and they run a really vanilla offense just to do enough to get through the game. I'm telling you, I, I I really think there's a good chance they thought they could get through that game with a W without playing him to give him an extra week off. And if that happened, not saying it did, even though I think it did, if that happened, I got a huge problem with that, especially when you know you're going to have two weeks off. Yeah, see, I, I don't feel like the, the coaching staff thought that would be a game where they could come out and be vanilla because the, I just felt that perception throughout the week that a lot a lot of people thought that, you know, meant that people were discounting Purdue. And, you know, they were saying, well, Purdue's lost two football games and Aiden O'Connell's not healthy and he played and, you know, that whole thing as well. I think that was a factor in, like, people maybe taking the game a little lightly, but I don't, I don't believe that that was the case internally. I think they felt like this was going to be a closer game than people thought. I'll say this. If the Gophers use the bye week and then we'll move on to some other things and they come out and win in Champaign, I don't think a lot is hurt other than it would have been really nice to be two games clear of Wisconsin. You're still more than likely going to have to beat Iowa anyways, if you want to win the West. The yeah. Purdue loss hurts, but more than likely, Purdue will lose another game at some point. So everything is still there for the Gophers. But again, I'll be doom and gloom for one more thing where it really does kind of hurt you. If you're looking ahead, let's say the Gophers get back on track, they go 10 and 2, okay? And they don't win the Big Ten title game. It really hurts you when it comes to bowl slotting. That, lo- that loss will hurt you because more than likely, if your backup door prize is going to the Rose Bowl, well, you're probably not going to get that if you lose. My point being now, if you want to go to the Rose Bowl, you're going to have to win the Big Ten title game. 
Yeah, I don't know. There's there's just a lot of football left, Ross. It's hard to it's hard to project, you know, what other teams are going to do and how Minnesota will respond. I just I think it's a week to week thing where matchups you got to take it week by week and figure out the strengths and the weaknesses. I know these next two games, the style of play. You look at Illinois being a man cover team heavy, lots of blitzing. Same thing with Penn State, lots of blitzing. Uh, Purdue only blitzed once the whole game. Minnesota uh, ran a, a play action slant into it, and the safety was sitting with inside leverage and broke it up. So I mean, Purdue was able to generate, you know, pressure on 34% of Tanner Morgan's dropbacks while only blitzing once. And now you're going against two teams that like to blitz, play very physical on the perimeter. So you're going to have to have some answers for these, you know, man coverage teams being able to, you know, get open and also be able to protect things up well because that will be a challenge. So I. You know, I just look at it and I go, okay, everything is still in front of the Gophers. I was a guy from the get-go saying I thought Purdue would be the biggest competition for Minnesota in the Big Ten West. So the fact that they lost, I mean, you look at the Penn State game, they get one more first down, that's a W for Purdue. You look at the Syracuse game, a ton of mistakes at the end, some weird plays on the road against a team that I think is pretty good in Syracuse. So, you know, you you felt like coming in, it was going to be, I did personally felt like uh, it was going to be a close game just because of Purdue's front, the data trends on their defense. And now you look at Illinois, Ross, the data likes Illinois' defense just like they liked uh, Purdue's as well. So I am intrigued by this matchup, and I feel as if this week, Iowa, Illinois will give us a nice barometer of where the fighting Illini are at. Let's do this. Let's take a quick look around the Big Ten because there's a lot of teams off this week. We're recording this on the evening of Thursday, October 6th. We have a Friday matchup, Nebraska at Rutgers, blah, Michigan at Indiana, blah, Purdue at Maryland. That that could be fun. Wisconsin at Northwestern, Wolf, Ohio State at Michigan State pack a lunch sparty iowa and illinois that's probably your marquee game right hey illinois is a four-point favorite right now at home against iowa and you know that game will come down to field position iowa being uh number two in field position margin right now uh that's definitely something they hang their hat on and illinois they're going to try to i was going to try to bait illinois into some mistakes create a couple takeaways but also illinois is going to try to jump out try to get off to a quick start Get Iowa's offense climbing uphill. I am a huge fan of Illinois' coordinators. I believe that's one of the reasons why uh, they've had such a quick rebuild there is because Ryan Walters is a very good D.C. And Barry Lunny Jr. was quite the hire as an offensive coordinator as well. They've, they've definitely modernized some of the things that they're doing offensively. So I'm I'm excited about that game. And I also think, like, what's going to happen in Wisconsin Northwestern? Like, what a week for UW. You know, making that change, trying to figure out how this thing's going to look. It sounds like Jim Leonard will be the head coach and call the defense as well. So this is his first time doing that, managing the game. There was a lot of emotion surrounding this change among the players and all the staff. And now you're going on the road to play Northwestern, a team that has not played well. But also, again, it's it's one of those things where the ball control comes into play where Northwestern is going to try to play physical and get a, get a score, maybe get Wisconsin climbing uphill Uh, that game with all the emotions surrounding Wisconsin. I'm interested to see how the players respond to Jimmy. Is this uh, Jim Leonard's job to lose? I feel like it has to be. It, It has to be. I know like Jimmy 
is ready for this opportunity and he wants to make the most of it. But also, Ross, like if this is an audition, a seven game audition for Jimmy, this is hands down just a, not a very good Wisconsin roster. Like that's one of the biggest problems you read, you know, these pieces about Wisconsin when their recruiting director left and went to Michigan State and they didn't have really an urgency to fill that spot and, you know, figure out what that whole recruiting department was going to look like. The talent on Wisconsin's roster is not where it typically is. So are you going to notice a monster difference with a head coach coming in, making some tweaks scheme wise and things like that? I don't know. But I also feel like this roster is is not very good in, in, in a few areas, too. Well, I myself might be a little doom and gloom on the Gophers right now, even though I still believe they have a great chance to win the West. I'm never doom and gloom when it comes to my morning cup of coffee, and that's because my friends at Beans Coffee Company, they offer up just some of the best and most delightful coffee And they're about more than just providing you that great, fresh, delicious, delightful coffee. They're about convenience in your life. How much chaos do you already have in your life? The last thing you need is decisions about coffee. Beans Coffee Company, let me tell you. Go to coffeebybeans.com. That is coffeebybeans.com. Get signed up for a coffee subscription. You can set it up in one to eight-week intervals. It'll show up right at your door. Customize it by your favorite blend. Wonderful, wonderful stuff. Subscription's not your thing. That's not a problem at all. You can order by the bag. Beans Coffee Company, they ship anywhere in the United States with free shipping on all orders of three bags or more. Just go to coffeebybeans.com. That is coffeebybeans.com. Use the promo code SPORTSCHAT to save yourself some cash at checkout. That's coffeebybeans.com. Promo code sports chat house. Give me 60 to 90 seconds on Kansas state at Iowa state because there's no go for football for me this Saturday or anybody I'm hitting the road to lovely Ames, Iowa to take in a little college football action. I'm intrigued by this game. You're going to a good one. And the one thing I'm watching is Iowa state's defense when opponents get inside the 40-yard line against them. They're ninth in the country at limiting points in those opportunities, while Kansas' as offense is 18th in points per opportunity inside the 40-yard line. So strength on strength matchup in, in that area. And also Kansas's pass rush has been very, very good. Anyadike Uzama leads the team with 19 pressures, Khalid Duke with 14 so that's something that I'm watching as well is uh, Kansas State's pass rush versus Iowa State's offensive line. This game should be a top five or ten uniform matchup of this college football Saturday. Yeah. And if Iowa State ruins it for me by wearing their stupid black uniforms, I'm going to get my ticket scanned. I'm going to walk in. I'm going to see those stupid black uniforms, and I'm going to turn around and go back to my car and drive home. Can I rant about Matt Campbell for yeah, go ahead. Seconds? Why not? Matt Campbell, everybody talks about Matt Campbell. And I don't understand, like nobody mentions the O-line, D-line talent that he has not produced over the course of his time in Iowa State. Oh, look go at you look jabbing, up. firing off Molotov cocktails. The, the draft, when you go and look at Iowa State's draft talent, they've only had one O-line or D-line been drafted during the Matt Campbell era. 
Awuzarike, defensive tackle, fourth-round pick this past year. No offensive lineman selected in the NFL draft. That's crazy to me. I look at the list of players that have been drafted out of that program. They haven't produced, like, top-flight NFL talent. So, I don't know. I feel like Matt Campbell gets a lot of buzz, but, like, he hasn't produced that much NFL talent. Brees Hall's off to a decent start with the Jets, and that's a pretty terrible team. So, just the fact that he can do anything productively. running backs. Hakeem Butler, the only wideout they had. You know, like... I don't know. Two running. I'll give him credit for the two running backs, but like, what about O line, D line? That's a formula to success. So we'll so, see. Maybe Nebraska will hire Matt Campbell. I was just gonna say. So it sounds like you're fully endorsing Nebraska hiring Lane Matt Kiffin Campbell. Nebraska. Lane Kiffin to Nebraska. Oh man, would that be fun? Uh, House, I was negligent in doing a traditional pod this week because it's yeah. woe is me. It's been insanely busy lately. So I do want to at least get two, three minutes of Vikings content out of you. I this will shock people. I'm largely positive with the Minnesota Vikings. I think the offense will get better as the season goes on. I, I don't like the defense at all, but I'm hopeful that will get better as the season goes on. But I don't know how much I trust the defense. I trust the offense getting better before the defense because I just think there's less talent on defense than the Vikings have on offense. And I thought the Vikings would get more pressure on the quarterback, and they just haven't. And I don't know if you can expect that to get any better. But if you would tell me after four games, the Vikings will be 3-1, and one, Kirk Cousins will be excellent in two fourth quarters after being very pedestrian-like for three quarters of those games, I would take that, even if they're against not great opponents. Never apologize for winning and winning late. I'd be encouraged if this upcoming weekend – if they do their job and win by 10 plus points or more to the bears, but overall house three and one, I'm, I'm okay. I'm fine with them. Yeah. I felt like they could have easily lost both of those games. I mean, it, yes. it came down to so the be end happy. They won. I know. That's what I'm saying though. Like they found a way to close it out, but like, I mean, you look at the lions game, Dan Campbell's like head scratching decisions, uh, the Saints game. That guy I will mean, be unemployed by the end of next season. Doesn't matter how much people love him. He he's not a good coach. But they so many aspects I like of the way they do things. It's like the game management side of it. And their defense is just an absolute wreck. Like they have to figure that out or they're not going to be able to get that thing off the ground. But, you know, I look at it and go execution in some of those moments against the Saints, like, you know, Johnny Munt's drop and few other moments in the game where it's like if they made a couple of those plays, it wouldn't even been close at the end. So the fact that they were able to still win the game despite not making all of those winning plays, uh, it's a sign of, of difference in terms of like last year, they lost those types of games where this year they're able to win them and get them in, get themselves in a position where now the schedule, they have one of the easiest schedules in the league down the stretch here. So, you know, if you win your home games, which I think they have some favorable matchups coming down the stretch here, uh, maybe steal one or two road games, you know, that maybe they aren't favored to win in, then they're going to be in a position to, you know, make the playoffs. But, you know, I feel like you said, got to be able to generate some more pressure with the pass, which I thought the coverage was a lot better. This coverage scheme requires a lot of communication and it's a totally different type of style and it took some time for those pieces to get together but this was the best 
game where I felt like they didn't make as many of those mistakes. So that's definitely a good sign. And special teams was very good. That is a sign that wins you football games. And that was the reason why they won against new Orleans was special teams plays. The fake punt was nice. What do Ross and Daniel house talk about a fair amount of times when they podcast, whether people want to hear it or not, it's the GD truth. Special teams is one third of the game. And if you're good at it, Ask Iowa. We've talked about this for a couple of years now. Iowa can't do anything offensively, and they still win a fair amount of games because they're solid on special teams and they play good defense. Yeah, and it makes a huge difference. Like, if they wouldn't have made those plays through the first four games, if they hadn't received the special teams play that they did, like coverage-wise, punting, flipping fields, hitting field goals, like Greg Joseph hitting five in in the game against New Orleans, like, all of those things have have been a difference maker for them. Like, I don't know if they would have received that in the past. Matt Daniels is an outstanding special teams coach. I felt like that was an, a great hire when Kevin O'Connell brought him on the staff. He's probably a future head coach in the league. But to have those type of winning plays from your special teams, complimentary football is huge. So some of the mistakes that were made uh, on offense and, you know, a couple on defense, they were able to overcome those because the special teams did such a great job. And that's what you're looking for from your team. Yeah. And I'm really looking forward to the next few games for the Vikings for a couple reasons. I want to see if you can hopefully do your job and, and get just have a bit more of a comfortable win. But again, I'll take the win, however you can get it. And then I'm intrigued by the Vikings going to Miami. We don't know who will be quarterbacking for Miami at that point. It's probably Teddy Bridgewater. It's a road game. Yes. And It's an outdoor road game, so we'll see how that goes for the Vikings. But there will be a fair amount of Vikings fans there. So will it be a true road game? Probably not. So I'm I'm hopeful the Vikings can somehow, I think they'll win at least one of the next two. It would be really nice if they could win the next two. So I'm, it might not be premier opponents, but I am really looking forward to the next few weeks for the Vikings. I want to see a couple of things as the Vikings move forward. I want to see improved execution in the red zone. They haven't done a consistently good job there. I mean, a lot of those possessions in the Saints game, they could have put that thing away with better execution in the red zone. The first drive was awesome, man. That was like, this is why they hired Kevin O'Connell, lining people up all over the place, creating rub route opportunities, and just all sorts of different things, Uh, motion getting guys in the best matchups to be successful. And then, you know, I also want to see the running game do a little bit more like cook's longest run is 16 yards. Right now there was one in the game. I thought would have popped off had Demario Davis, not like blatantly tripped Alvin on the play. Like it should have definitely been a tripping penalty, but uh, continue to, to work on the ground game, get better in the red zone. Like, the offense hasn't achieved its full potential yet, which is a good thing. Like there are a lot of positives throughout the first few games, but I also think that like those other areas have to be executed better. If the Vikings are going to, you know, compete with the, the, the really good teams. Well, and that's where I'm largely positive house. I think the last three and a half quarters of Vikings offense for the most part has been pedestrian at best. So If you're going to tell me a team that's not firing on all cylinders, maybe firing on only 50% of cylinders is three and one, I think you have to choose to be positive knowing what we know. Just think, Ross, like that ball placement on the Justin Jefferson uh, route in the end zone. Then you got the Johnny Munt drop. Like those were two plays there where it's like if you make those, it's a totally different ballgame. Like 
the we talked about Minnesota and Purdue. Like that was the difference there, those winning plays. And special teams prop the Vikings up. And that's the difference. Like you have to play complimentary in all phases. And maybe somebody else doesn't execute as well, but special teams was able to lift them up. And that's the sign of a team that uh, is structured well enough to handle those moments. That That's a good thing moving forward. I, I feel like you do though, like defensively, like personnel wise, they can't afford any injuries in that secondary or it could go off the rails real fast. No, especially not with the scene injury, because I do expect at some point this year, we were going to see a lot more of him. And now you're down you're down that man. Uh, House, I was all ready to go all in on just make Johnny Munt your number one tight end until he dropped that pass, and now I'm back to, okay, Kirk, just never throw to tight ends. I'll, I'll tell you one more thing here, jokingly. Jokingly, but again, mildly seriously. Mildly serious. I am so bleeping tired of fly patterns and deep patterns to C.J. Ham. You have in the matchups, man. You, Let's go. you have so many better players on the team. And I'm not saying he's a bad player, but just so many better options for receiving that ball down the field. Give me those Kyle Hughescheck style <laughs> designs for CJ Ham, man. That, there's a problem. CJ Ham is cool, not Kyle Hughescheck. <laughs> the cool thing is, is the the play designs and the offensive scheme. Like this is what you were looking for when you wanted to modernize and get to that next level scheme wise. No, I want to modernize by never using a fullback, not I throwing love, deep I, passes to the fullback. I love, I love having wrinkles thrown in like that. <laughs> Just rando things that mess with the defense and lining people up in different spots and bringing the fullback in. It alters personnel groupings for the defense. You know, they're not maybe ready for 21 personnel, and then you throw it out there and maybe you can get a big play off of it. So I've enjoyed watching the offense and feel like that's one of the things moving into the future is Kevin O'Connell's your play caller and your offense is showing this already. Like, think about you don't have to go through you're at that point now where you have a head coach with a good offense in mind where you're not going to be blowing through offensive coordinators all the time if somebody's actually good like that's why I said from the beginning you got to hire an innovative offense in mind that's the head coach so you're not dealing with that all the time well house let's get out of here and hope that when we reconvene what one week from now I'm less surly I think the Govers are going to go to Illinois and win. I, I, I do. I feel that. Hopefully, I'll still feel that way a week from now. Illinois is not going undefeated this year. Heck, maybe maybe I'll change my opinion if Iowa beats Illinois. Then maybe I'll go doom and gloom and think that Illinois is going to win. Illinois is not going 12-0, my man. They're going to lose to somebody. They're probably going to lose a couple times. So why not let it be the Gophers uh, nine days from now? Yeah, that, I'm excited for the game. Bye week, Kirk's Rock out of bye weeks, Ross. Unbelievable performances. You go and look at the numbers. Kirk Sharaka, he's been in the laboratory. We'll see what he comes up with for these next two games that you're going to have to have some creative uh, play designs for this. Uh, is Kirk already working on the Penn State game plan? I, the, per, uh, Kirk Sharaka revenge game. Yeah, I forgot. I guess I totally even <laughs> forgot about that. But yeah, there's the there's the revenge game, I guess. At Daniel House NFL on the Twitter machine. And please check out gophersguru.com for all of your gopher football content. Thanks, Housey. Thanks.
I'm Ross Brendel saying thank you so much for listening to edition number 133 of Minnesota Sports Chat. Please rate and review kindly. We'll talk again soon in this very same feed.